Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the NBA Podcast. We have a great episode for you today. We're going to be previewing the Pacific Division. Before we get underway, just wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find all three of our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some reviews. We would love any feedback. And we're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports. So check them out on Twitter, at FanRag Sports, and for their NBA content, at FanRag NBA. Joining me this week, as always, are my two co-hosts, Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. How's it going, you two? Well, Brian, two days ago, I was at the doctor, which was my first official You're Getting Older meeting. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, what uh, what brought you there? Was it like just old age? You have a sore hip? Actually, a sore back, so pretty close. To oh it. no! And then oh, we just start- and now an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow, that's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. We're talking as you as well. I mean, you're not a spring chicken anymore, and she started, like, (laughs) (laughs) naming all this stuff that I had to, like, refrain from. Oh, my God. And I kind of looked at her, and I thought, you know what? Let me just ask her. This is the I'm getting old meeting, isn't it? And she kind of looked at me, and she went, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah. So uh, I don't know how I'm doing. I, I guess fine when I accept my my Your own mortality. mortality. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry to hear that, Sarah. I hope you have not had the you're getting old talk this week. <laughs> no, not yet. Good. We escaped that. My computer is getting old. We keep you reminded <laughs> of that every week, but we've dealt with that. So. Everything's good that, for now. Hey, if Shea Serrano can can raise a hundred G's, you know, <laughs> I mean, let's. I'm just saying, people out there, let's let's start something for Sarah's computer. It's yeah. basically something from out of the '80s at this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, joining us this week, we have a special guest, Shane Young, who writes for FanRag Sports. Shane, how's it going? I'm not that old, so I think I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I'm over here in Louisville, Kentucky. It's the off-season, so things aren't that great because I've been waiting for basketball for like two or three months now. So 
It, it just feels like just the other day, Kevin Durant was hitting a game-winning shot in game three, and I still miss basketball. So but I'm really excited to get things going. Me too, me too. Uh, before we get underway today, can you let our listeners know where they can find you on Twitter and where else they can find your work? Definitely. Uh, on Twitter, I'm always tweeting crazy things, so you can go laugh at me. I, young NBA, simple enough, my last name in NBA. Uh, and then also write for Bebop Breakdown occasionally. I cannot wait to get this preview book going on. I know, Brian, you're going to be pretty stoked for that, too. So, Yes, sir. Yeah, we're going to have a lot of great stuff coming in the next few weeks, hopefully. Uh, we'll have more news on that shortly. Uh, today, we're going to start. Let's just get it out of the way, guys. Let's start with the Lakers. Let's just get the Lonzo Ball stuff out of the way. Shane, what do you think we could reasonably expect from Lonzo as a rookie this year? Well, reasonably is probably the operative word there because a lot of people aren't reasonable when it comes to this team. I think we all know that by now. Uh, yeah, I grew up loving the Lakers. And, you know, whenever Kobe was there, it was just my team that I was stuck with through the bad. And it's been bad for four or five years now. Um, but as far as Lonzo Ball, you know, coming from UCLA, I'm actually – I wasn't that high on him when, when the Lakers drafted him. I was more in favor of Marco Fultz, but obviously that the chip didn't fall that way. And I, I really think that Lonzo Ball, can, can, we can expect to have a quality rookie year. Um, I don't think that his scoring is going to translate into the NBA immediately. And I think that we, we saw at UCLA, man, like there, there's a lot of games that he just was, was really, really passive. And that's just who he is. I don't think the scoring is going to translate uh, immediately in his shot. Still, although it looks funky, um, it goes in a decent percentage of the time. So I, I, I'm not too sure what to expect from three-point range from Lonzo, but uh, last year, 41% on about 200 threes at UCLA. That was pretty good. But what, what impresses me about Lonzo more than just the passing itself, because that's the number one thing that people is raving about, and deservedly so, um, he shot 73% from two. The guy has really, really, really good shot selection. And I think that that's what I love about this guy the most is that he's not going to put his team in a bad situation by you know taking over games at the wrong time or uh, taking bad shots. Uh, he, when he finishes in the lane, there are good shots that he gets at the rim. I mean, he doesn't force anything. So I think that that's what I'm looking for. And I think Luke Walton would agree that that's probably the number one component of Lonzo that he likes. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you think rookie of the year is a reasonable – Oh no! You're shaking your I, head. I don't think so because I I I think that that hinges on uh, I want to see what you guys think about this next player for the Lakers. I'm talking about, but I think that hinges on what we see from Brandon Ingram. I mm-hmm. mean, Brandon Ingram to me, I, I'm projecting this leap not not immediately this year, but mm-hmm. a, a significant leap to where Lonzo's not going to have the scoring output because he also have Brook Lopez. Brook Lopez is a top fifty, to, in my opinion, top fifty NBA player. Uh, maybe on the maybe on the fringe of that, but um, his scoring is definitely going to matter for that roster. And I think that Lonzo will average somewhere around, you know, maybe 13, 14 points, eight or nine assists, four rebounds, something along those lines. But there's a couple of guys in Philadelphia that will have something to say about that award. So I, I, you know, my pick was Ben Simmons all along. So I really think Ben Simmons will steal that Rookie of the Year award as a sophomore. <laughs> Don't, don't open that one. Don't open My that man. one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're not doing Sixers today. So, more. let's talk about Brandon Ingram. Uh, you know, he kind of had an up-and-down 
rookie year, which was not unexpected. Uh, you know, he weighs about 106 pounds soaking wet. So as he fills out his body, the hope is that he will get better. In summer league, he played, I think, only one game, but he, he was, like, immediately that guy, that token, like, why are you playing in summer league? You're too good to be here. Yeah. So what do you think is gonna he's going to do this year? Do you think he's going to develop into that franchise cornerstone that the Lakers expected where they drafted him number two overall? You know, there were reports this offseason that they were, like, would not even remotely entertain trading him. So do you think he develops into that type of player this year? No, I, I don't think he's turning into like a franchise-altering talent <laughs> the next season. I think he's going to take a pretty fair leap, just as Shane does. But the thing with me is I'm not sure that he is a franchise player, which is all right. I almost kind of think that it's unfair to him to put that pressure on him. He's, mm. he's, he's incredibly skinny. He's, I mean, looking at the way that he played during his rookie season, he was really passive at times. And he, I don't think he has that you know, number one guy mentality all the way through, but I think he could develop something resembling that. If he tops out at being like a 22-8 guy, that's perfectly fine, especially if it comes on decent percentages. Um, I don't, I'm, I'm not really going to go into like the numbers I expect from him this coming season, <laughs> but I would be sorely disappointed if it wasn't, a significant leap up for what it was last year is is and I'm looking at like a per minute production because he played 29 minutes a game last season had at 9.4 average that needs to go up a lot even if he plays the exact same amount of minutes I'm I have to look at like at least a 60% scoring increase mhm I, I mean, I think that's a fair thing to expect because, in theory, the Lakers aren't going to dick around this year and start Luol Deng for half the year. Like they, you would hope that they have now with Lonzo on board, they've kind of embraced like this half rebuild, half trying to be remotely competitive because they have KCP and Brook Lopez as well. But like they know where their money is going to be made, and they know it's if Lonzo and Ray Ingram turn out to be, you know, that like the two pillars of a big three, they're in good shape, but they need those guys to develop quickly for reasons we'll talk about in a couple minutes. Yeah. You know, before we hear from Sarah here, I, I, I think it's just crazy that we haven't even talked about, like Julius Randle is a big component of what they can do for the future now. And mm-hmm. he dropped all that weight. He's, he is committed to the gym. He's committed to getting better as any young player will really say they are. But I mean, he is the guy that if he turns out nice this this coming season and beyond, that team really has something for the future. But, I mean, he, let's be honest. The last couple of years for Julius Randle after the injury year have been kind of stale, not not been great. Um, there's flashes here and there. He he gets, like, uh, a couple of these, like, huge triple-double stat lines here and there. But, you know, I, I kind of want to see him stretch out that shooting range. Mm-hmm. And if he can't, if he can finally, we've been saying for two years, since he come from Kentucky, um, you know, if he can really stretch that out, that gives them Brooke Lopez, who can shoot the light, you know, not not shoot the lights out, but he can he can really shoot from three. I think we also met in Brooklyn last year. Um, that gives them two guys that can really stretch the floor, which will help Lonzo even more. So, yeah, I mean, we'll I, we'll get back to Randall in, in a couple minutes because I think looking longer down the road, his spot on the team is very interesting. Before we get there. Sarah, I want to ask you about the two other big additions to this team over the summer. They got Brooke Lopez in the trade that sent 
D'Angelo Russell and Timothy Mozgov to the Nets. They also capitalized on the Pistons, whatever the hell they did, uh, you know, rescinding KCP's rights. So they signed Contavious Caldwell-Pope to a one-year $18 million deal. How much do you think those two guys are going to factor in and help this team this year? Definitely going to factor. Um, as Shane mentioned, Brooke is is a bona fide, you know, top 50 guy. He's a really good player. People mm-hmm. tend to forget because he was in Brooklyn, you know, sort of languishing away. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, the guy can play um, inside, outside. doesn't matter. Uh, KCP is the kind of guy that every team could use on their roster. You know, the way that he's capable of defending, if he brings that every night, will give them a chance to compete in games. So not to mention the fact that he can step out and hit the three, too. So if he brings any type of consistency, yeah, both of those guys are going to be big-time contributors. Yeah, and I think, you know, part of the concern about Lonzo, aside from his shooting, is his defense. Having KCP there, you know, he's going to guard the opposing whatever. Like, if it's James Harden, he's going to guard that. But he can also guard point guards and let Lonzo kind of hide on defense. So, yeah, I think you and Shane are both spot on. I think... Brooke Lopez calling him a top 50 guy really isn't that much of a reach at all. You know, as Shane mentioned, seeing him stretch out his range last year in Brooklyn was a revelation. You know, a couple other guys like Marcus Gasol also did it. That you know, that was absurd. Sudden, Marcus yeah, Gasol was like, absurd. <laughs> like all of a sudden, <laughs> these guys did not shoot like a single three, and then now they're hitting them at like two a game. It's, it's unreal. So yeah, I mean, Brooke, you know, let's go and let's just go right to the. The 2018 summer, because that's really, it's weird to say this, right? But, like, that's kind of what this whole season is about for the Lakers. Like, if they can somehow string together a playoff run, that's great. But, like, Magic and Rob Palenka have already talked about, like, we're all in on 2018. They just got a $500,000 tampering fine because they've been (laughs) so flirtatious with Paul George already. You know, they're trying to carve out enough cap space for two max free agents Oh, surprise, LeBron James is also a free agent in 2018. He's already being rumored to want to go to L.A. He's got a house there. He's starting to, like, become an entertainment mogul. So the seeds are being set for LeBron and Paul George to come to the Lakers in 2018 if everything goes right this year. If not, you know, they still have a decent plan B because they're going to have the bird rights on Brooke Lopez, um, and they can re-sign KCP. They can at least exceed the, go up to like a hundred or whatever, hundred and five percent of what he's earning this year. So they'll they'll have opportunities either way. But Shane, best case scenario, right? They get Paul George, Ron James are both interested in them. They're gonna have to get rid of Jordan Clarkson probably. They might have to stretch Luol Deng. But the guy you mentioned earlier, Julius Randle, he's probably the most notable cap casualty if all of this comes to fruition. So what do you think it's going to take to convince Paul George and LeBron to come to the Lakers in 2018? Or do you think it's a foregone conclusion already? I I, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion because I was listening to, um, I guess they now renamed it the Basketball Friends podcast, which was used to be True Hoop, uh, and then the Basketball Analogy. But David Thorpe was talking about how, man, he, he thinks that LeBron has definitely gone from Cleveland in his mind, but, why go to the Lakers if you're just going to run to the Warriors, you're running to the Spurs, which Kawhi is not going anywhere, and you know that, that team's always going to be a 55-win powerhouse. <laughs> you're going to run into the Rockets. Um, why do that to yourself? You might not even get out the second round. I mean, it's a real possibility if he went, if 
LeBron wants to go to L.A. But, you know, I, I don't think it's a good foregone conclusion because I think Paul George really wants to give this Thunder run a chance and see what happens. I mean, that team at the max, we could say probably 55, 56, somewhere around there wins. That's if everything turns out well this year. Um, I think the Lakers just need to operate under the assumption that no one's going to want to come unless they prove that they can be a really quality team this year and, and for the and for the extended future. Because like if Brandon Ingram comes on and plays strong, if Lonzo Ball is a highlight reel all season, that might incentivize LeBron. That might incentivize Paul George and, and stuff like that. But uh, to me, I, I think that if, if the Lakers can prove that they can be a around league average offense, which I did my offensive and defensive rating uh, rankings, uh, like projections for this coming year, I think they can finish around 18th. If, if, if Lonzo is healthy all year, if Burke Lopez is healthy all year, that's a big if. But, you know, if they can really stay on the court, um, this team's going to score a lot of points. So you have to keep things open for LeBron in mind because he's the best player of our generation. You have to do that. Uh, but don't get your hopes up. That's what I would tell Polinka and Magic. And, and really just focus on your young guys right now. Uh, but, you know, in the offseason, definitely uh, do all you can. If that's getting rid of Randall, so be it. You do anything for a guy that will be, what, 33, what LeBron will be next year. Um, and really at the back two or three years of his great historic career. So, yeah, I would yeah. do it. I mean, yeah, I think it's hard to argue against, you know, if LeBron James wants to come to your team, I think you fall all over yourself to get him. But I, wait, I wait. think you're – oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, what's going to scare me, though, is you know how LeBron always takes his couple weeks or whatever. Yeah. Like, that is going to really stop things from happening and put a halt on things because I, I, I wish that he would tell, you know, the team, oh, I'm thinking about coming here, playing on it accordingly. But, you know, he's going to wait till July 12th or 13th to really <laughs> have to do something. And uh, when Randall's sticking around in restricted free agency, that's going to that's gonna be a little bit awkward. So, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if Gordon Hayward stopped business across the league this year, imagine what happens with LeBron next year. I think you're right, though, in that I, I do expect the Lakers to be significantly better than, A, they were last year, but, B, I, I feel like everyone's kind of penciled them in, at them and the Suns in, as, like, the bottom two seeds in the West. And they still might be, just because everyone else in the West got so much better this year, but, like, I think they're going to be a significantly improved on-court product. So, you know, the defense think, might still be bottom five or six, but yeah, you know. yeah. But uh, you know, Lakers fans have suffered for the last four years, so I think hope is finally on the horizon. Yeah. Um, regardless of whether LeBron comes there next year, and I just want to give a round of applause to all of us because we just talked 15 minutes about the Lakers and did not bring up Levar Ball once. Record stays intact. That guy is not coming up on this podcast. So let's do only one bringing who brings him up like every episode. <laughs> every time. I, but you know, the is on two K. He made it on two K. Yeah, that's I, I know. It's like that he's on two K, and then NBA Live has like Stephen A. Smith. Right? Are they like just yeah. trying to not make me buy a video game this year? I don't know which is worse. Uh, all right, let's move on to the Clippers, who also had quite a tumultuous offseason. Yes. Uh, Shane, you've written a lot about Chris Paul. So, yeah. <laughs> what? I mean, how much do you think they're going to miss him this year? Do you think uh, 
Like, is it, you know, who's going to run the offense with him gone? Is it going to be Pat Beverly? Is it going to be uh, Ted Dosich? Or are we going to see a lot more Blake Griffin at the point? You know, I really wish it would be uh, Tedosich, or how do you say his last name? Yeah, I assume Tedosich. Yeah. Yeah, like I like I would I would really hope it to be him, but I know that Patrick Beverly is an established veteran in this league. I know that he's going to have his opportunities, and Doc Rivers. I, I feel like Doc Rivers really loves the guy, so we'll see. Because um, he battled him what once or twice in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I, I really think that uh, Pat Beverly is going to have his opportunities there um, until maybe an injury or so, but. Like you were saying, in, like earlier in the email thread, like their bench is a lot better than it used to be. And their bench, if they could have had something like this whenever they had Chris Paul, or mm-hmm. if they could have had a quality three like Daniel Gallinari when they had Chris Paul, I mean that would have solved a lot of issues that they had. But now they got rid of their best player in my estimation. A lot of people would argue Blake Griffin, but you know, uh, you know Chris Paul though. I really think, because I, I don't have the numbers here, but I remember looking back on the game logs and stuff, like the games that he missed, there was one stretch where Blake led the team to a really good record when Chris Paul was hurt a couple of years ago. But other than that, like take that part out of it, like when, when he misses games, they are a 500 team or worse, the Clippers mm-hmm. are. I, I don't see how they're going to be able to withstand uh, defensively and or offensively. Like I really think the Clippers are headed for like, 19th or 20th in defense this year um, with without Chris Paul. You did replace him with Pat Bev, but, I mean, Chris Paul was number one in RPM by a wide, significant margin defensively. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we cannot assume – we would be in trouble if we assumed that both DeAndre and Blake would, would play 80 games this year or 70 mm-hmm. games. Like, like, one of them is probably going to miss a good chunk of December or January. It always happens. Um Especially Blake, he's had like three or four knee surgeries, right? So I mean, <laughs> right. yeah, uh, I I think the Clippers might be in a little bit of trouble. But with that said, um, before I get your you know your guys' uh, evaluations on the Clips, I, I think that they can finish as the eight seed. I think that this team is still talented enough. Three top fifty-five or so players, if you include down Danilo Gallinari, which a lot of people are forgetting that they got him. I mean, right. he had that injury; it was a thumb injury he had. Um, yeah, and then the ACL a couple years back. Oh, I was talking about just recently. I think. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Where he, where he punched a guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He punched a guy. But a lot of people were forgetting about him, and he was a potent scorer in Denver. Like he was good, uh, not the reason for Denver's top offense, but a good reason for it. After Nikola Jokic started, uh, was in the starting lineup, but uh, he's really going to help them score, uh, which will replace Chris Paul and JJ Redick a little bit. But they did get rid of Bamute as well, so. A lot of shifting in the Clippers, and it makes me uncomfortable to pick them as the eighth seed. But nevertheless, I'm not confident in Utah or anything like that, so I really think the Clippers will be there for me. Yeah. Sidebar, can the Clippers just stop punching people and getting hurt? Like, (laughs) him and Blake now? Like, what the hell? The last (laughs) one we had like this was Amari Stoudemire, right? When he punched the fire extinguisher a couple years ago? Oh, yeah. I remember that picture going viral on Twitter. That was not pretty. No, that was not good. So, more. Let's assume Gallinari recovers from his thumb injury without any setbacks. He's ready to go at the start of the season. What do you expect from him this year? How do you see him fitting in? Do you think he can play the three next to Blake and DeAndre? Do you think he's better suited to play the four and divvy up the minutes at the five between Blake and DeAndre? Well, I still expect twenty missed games mm. because that's just <laughs> that's just mo yeah. at this point in time. 
No, I, I, yeah, it's a good question. Uh, given his age and size, and and given the way that the NBA is developing, I probably would play him at the four a whole lot. However, he's not a strong rebounding presence, so you might actually need to play him alongside Blake just to make mm. sure that you have someone on the glass as well. Seems like in this day and age, we all forget about rebounding. Like everyone should go small, but you also need talented rebounders. You can't have guys who just mostly get uncontested boards. So mm-hmm. he's probably forced to play some three um, in this lineup. It, it depends. Like when the guys are injured, then maybe when Blake is out his twenty games, and golly, <laughs> yeah, he's he's healthy. Then maybe that way. But I, I think he can be a very potent offensive player in this system, especially alongside Theo Dosic, who is a fantastic passer and playmaker. Like we should not, we should really not forget that he he's amazing at that point at that end of the floor. So I think Gallo is going to get a lot of shots. He's also very adept at getting to the free throw line. Also very essential, especially given that he knocks it down at like a 90% rate. So mm-hmm. he's going to provide the scoring punch. He's going to provide the spacing, the much necessary spacing, because having lost Chris and JJ, good Lord. I mean, the clips, they are sorely lacking from outside, and, and Gallo is going to have to take that mantle a whole lot like his five attempts from that from outside last year that has to go up a lot mm-hmm. yeah and we can like who forgets austin rivers might be starting <laughs> two this year like right. or probably will be yeah so you know oh man yeah i was just thinking about like who's gonna start at the two and it really is gonna be austin rivers isn't it <laughs> oh boy that's yeah. all right well with that in mind sarah <laughs> Uh, do you think even with all of the offseason overhaul, you know, the Clippers have been a fixture of the playoffs the last half decade or so with their big three. Do you think they're going to be able to withstand all of this overhaul and remain competitive in the West? There again, I actually agree with Shane. I think yeah. I certainly believe they can sneak in. I don't know if I'm ready to commit to that. They will, <laughs> but I do think they can be a playoff team. Yes. Um, like I said, there's really only four or five teams that I think are locked in in the West that I'm sure will make the playoffs. And other than that, there's three or four spots that I feel like those probably four to six teams, six to eight teams that are going to be fighting over those last few spots. So I think the Clippers can be in there. And well, uh, go ahead, Shane. Well, what do you got? What do you, Sarah, and what do you feel about Blake? playing more of a point forward role that he had a couple of years ago when Chris Paul got hurt. Um, yeah. A lot of people have been raving about his ability to pass the ball. Well, like, what do you feel about him uh, taking yeah. over as like pick and roll? Yeah. We've talked about that a little bit on this podcast in the past, and I've always sort of uh, supported that at the very least, if not having him run a lot of pick and roll necessarily, but trying to get him bringing the ball up in transition because that's where I think he's the most terrifying uh, as a mismatch. So the more they can push the ball and have him creating that way and also just playing through him, as they've done in the past, playing through him kind of in the high post around the elbow area, let, let him create there. And then you can take a little bit of that uh, responsibility off of Pat Beverly, who, who's kind of used to playing a little more kind of with a guy like James Harden where he's yeah. the point guard but not really the point guard. So, And then Tiodosic, who is it a terrific creator, but not a great defender. <laughs> so yeah, I would love to see him create a little bit more for sure. I'm interested to see what Lou Williams, who 
weirdly enough, pick number 97. Shout out Lou Williams uh, mm-hmm. for this team. I'm interested to see what Lou Williams does because, I mean, like, he is a forgotten guy. I mean, won six man of the year a couple of years ago. Um, last year helped, really helped the Lakers in their offense. Uh, I think they finished 23rd offensively because he was their one of their leading scorers. Uh, but, you know, he doesn't play like a defense. We know that. Uh, he's got, he got Houston in trouble a lot of the times in the playoffs. Uh, we'll see what happens with him, but it just doesn't feel – I don't feel good picking this team for a playoff spot when you have Lou Williams, Austin Rivers, and, you know, Pat Beverly and all these guys that are going to be running the backcourt. Like, so I don't feel good about it, but something just tells me Blake is going to – Blake is just really going to have a really good year. Um, not maybe where he finished second MVP a couple of years ago, a few years ago, but a resurgent year for Blake. Yeah, and I think, Shane, you brought it up earlier. You know, their bench is better than it's been, what, any time in the Big Three era? Like, not only do you have Lou Williams off the bench, who was a leading six-man-of-the-year candidate for much of last year, Sam Decker and Montrezl Harrell are both legit NBA players. Like, they both played an important role on Houston. So you have those three guys and Teodosic, like you're going a legit nine deep already, which again, like when's the last time you could say that about the Clippers? Never. And you know what? This is just going to be, if they do get that eight spot, like I, I don't want to watch that first round matchup because at least, oh, at least, at least CJ and Dame last year could make it interesting with their scoring punch, 40 points a night each. But yeah. This team would be wiped off the floor. So. Yeah. Let's hope they get the seven seed. Like yeah. a Spurs Clippers could be sort of fun. And like, yeah. yeah. I mean, if, if the Clippers with Chris Paul still got steamrolled every time they played the Warriors, <laughs> how are the Clippers without Chris Paul going to fare? Nope. Oh, boy. Yeah. All right. That's a good point. Okay, let's move on to the Sacramento Kings. And, Mort, I'm going right to you here because they got your boy at number five, De'Aaron Fox. They resisted the temptation to trade up. There were rumors, like, all throughout the last couple weeks of the draft process. They were considering moving five and ten for three or two or one, taking De'Aaron Fox there. But they wisely just stood pat, let him fall to them. Now they have their theoretical point guard of the future. What do you think Darren Fox is going to do this year? I think he's going to show a lot of promise. I think he's going to help them defensively right off the bat because he's just cat quick and got has great instincts. And I think he's going to play a hell of a lot of minutes. Whether he's going to start or not, that's we don't know. But my hope is that he plays like a three-guard rotation with George Hill and mm-hmm. Buddy Heald. So like each of them gets... Uh, you know, close to 30 minutes at night because he deserves this chance right off the bat. This is a guy who is superbly athletic, a very wise player as well. That jump shot, I know people are down on it. I get why, but it did not look funky. It, I mean, he missed a bunch of shots, but it does not look funky. So the rhythm is there, or at least the mechanics are there, I should say. So I'm kind of hoping that he spend all this summer just trying to iron out whatever minor kinks he had with that J. Um, yeah. But I'm I'm hoping to see a little bit of a shooting improvement. I think that's reasonable. I mean, you know, he's got 
you tend to see it with a lot of guys coming out of college. Like either their shot is just broken, like Michael Carter Williams, and there's no salvaging it, or like this is their first time they've been a professional. They've been able to dedicate their entire like waking hours to their game. They have a professional shooting coach working with them. You know, he's gonna have if he's working out with his teammates, he has George Hill, he has Buddy Heald, he has Vince Carter, like all there to help him tweak his form and you know his form wasn't as busted at his as his percentages would imply exactly so i don't think it's a michael carter williams situation where you know there's just no hope at all but i think as we'll get to in a few minutes i think it is an open question as to whether he is the starter because the kings made some uh veteran offseason additions but before we get there shane i want to ask you about the king's young front court because all of a sudden like out of nowhere the Kings suddenly have like this really promising group of yeah. young players. And so the front court, you know, they've got Fox and Heel in the back court. The front court, they have Willie Cauley Stein, Scala Bissieri, and Harry Giles, who they got with the 20th pick this year. Giles was the number two prospect in his draft class, much like Lobissieri, had a pretty disappointing freshman year at Duke. Uh, he's had, I think, three knee surgeries already. So it's, Kind of an open question as to what you can expect from him moving forward, but he he has the talent. It's just like, mm. is his body going to hold up? But yeah. after, after the boogie trade, Kali Stein and Labissieri both played really well. So what do you think, what are you expecting from those guys this year? Well, first of all, there's a lot of Kentucky guys on this team. with Scal, you have uh, yeah. Willie and Deer, and am I missing another one? That's probably it. But uh, it's like the Suns over here, but... <laughs> I, I, from from Scalabissier, like a lot of people, in, like as I'm in a Kentucky household, my entire family loves the Wildcats. Uh, they were low on him in college, but then it's like when you unleash him into an NBA offense, mm-hmm. you see all the stuff that he can do. Shot 37% from three last year. Didn't take that many. Uh, it was three. It was like three of eight. But I mean, he, he had like he has the promise. Like that's what, I'm, that's what I'm getting at. And started 12 games. I mean, like. I really and that was towards the end of the year. I really do think that he's going to be able to contribute uh, whenever, whenever uh, they, they whenever they have that rotation set. I think that he's going to be able to contribute. Willie, I was never a big fan of, but a lot of people have really kind of turned trying to turn me around on him uh, defensively. He's going to be really really uh, well in the future. I really think that they're going to be all right. Buddy Hill is what I'm focused on this year with the Kings team because. That was the centerpiece of the trade. That was mm-hmm. the reason that they did this, and the owner Vivek Rondive was all in on, on Buddy. And I think that that's going to matter a lot more than what their front court's going to be able to do this year. I think it's going to be a disaster in terms of the win total and offensively uh, this year for this team. But if they can just get some points from their from their backcourt and Buddy Hill, and he can really bloom into the guy that they draft that they traded him to be, I think that it's going to be good. Uh, Randolph is what scares me, though. I mean, they you know they signed him. Uh, I I think that he's probably done. He's thirty six years old. I don't see that he's going to be able to contribute into a you know meaningful winning team this year. I, I I'm not sure that I would give him that many minutes, but that is a problem whenever you have Dave Yeager, who mm-hmm. is loyal to to Zach Randolph. And I'm not sure if that's going to cause some friction in the front court. I would hope not, but you know, we we never know with these kind of things when it comes to coach and player relationships. So yeah, that's a really good point. And so I want to get back to Heald, but first I want to ask Sarah, 
about their new veterans because Sarah, you have either good or bad emotional attachments to all three. George <laughs> Hill, good emotional attachment, former Spur, Zebo and Vince Carter tormented you for quite some time as Memphis Grizzlies, who would always play your Spurs really hard in the playoffs. So what do you think uh, Spurs, or sorry, the Kings should expect from those three guys this year? But honestly, you know my affinity for Vince Carter. So even though he has tortured me before, it's still positive. Um, Yeah, I think obviously George, I think is going to be a great influence on Darren Fox. Like, they they are sort of similar builds. Like Fox is is slight compared to George. George is more muscular, more strong, but um, they're both long for point guards. And I think that he can just teach Fox a lot. And then Fox has this quickness that I think George never really came close to having. So if he could just pick up some some wiliness from George, that would be great. And then Vince Carter is just the ultimate pro. Um, so he's just hopefully going to infuse that entire locker room with this new culture of, you know, being accountable and, and showing them just how to be pros, just how to stay in shape, how to do everything that's necessary to really compete at the highest level. Um, he talked about that a lot when he showed up at, um, summer league, he was interviewed Vince and, uh, just talked about what he was trying to bring. And I think it's just going to be great. Zebo, I would like to say the same thing, but considering what happened over the summer, it's not great not off to a great start um hopefully though i i think he has it in him to be a good vet to back up those guys so that hopefully what shane talked about won't happen hopefully there won't be any friction there Uh, it will depend on how jaeger goes i guess with uh playing time but and then going back to the the young front court i think you know stein is a guy who is kind of going to depend on the point guard play, how they create mm-hmm. for him, because he really depends on those sort of pick and roll diving plays to the basket. That's where DeAndre Jordan like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where a lot of his points come from. So it will just depend on that. Even like just watching highlights from last year, a lot of his his plays came from uh, Carlson setting him up. So mm-hmm. I mean, we'll see. I mean, Buddy Held Heald showed some uh, propensity to do that as well, and then Levisier like. His jump shot kind of surprised me. It's really slow. It's like Kyle Anderson slow. But he's so long that I don't think it really matters. I don't think anybody can really get to it anyway. Certainly a limited number of people. Um, and I was looking at his numbers. Like He shot, I would say, above average for mid-range shots. He was like 52% from 10 to 15 feet and 58% from 16 to just below 3. So wow. <laughs> the guy had a good-looking stroke and... Uh, also, Pap- Papianis, mm-hmm. nice, yeah. nice hook shot, guy with some heft who you'll like having when you're playing some of the thicker guys that maybe can push around their their uh, so-called tw- uh, thin towers a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was from the Sacramento guys, um, SB Nation guys probably coined that. But, yeah, uh, I'm excited to watch them a little bit. Um, and hopefully, like I said, I think you're on to something, Brian, that, it's great that they brought in those vets. You know, George is a vet guy and, and comes from San Antonio, so you know you know he's a pro. And then Vince Carter, I just can't speak any more highly yeah. of him. So uh I, I got two questions for anyone here. Uh one, how long I mean, we're saying all these good Kings things and justifiably so. They did some great some solid things this offseason. How long until we get some GM bullcrap or the owner doing something? <laughs> 
Like, mm-hmm. like how long to the season until we're just like shaking our heads at the Kings? Because there's going to be something. Yeah. Well, when is media day? <laughs> <laughs> In a couple of weeks, more. Yep. A couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I expect the Vec, the Vec to say something ludicrous or Divac to step in and do something, but we'll see. Uh, my second question, though, was. Where do you all think the offense can be, uh, Brian, Moore, Sarah, anyone? Because, like, last year I was looking after the boogie trade, which they didn't have Deer and Fox, didn't have George Hill. Um, Scal wasn't really coming, you know, he wasn't fully developed yet. After the boogie trade, they only dropped 0.7 points per one of possessions offense. So they were still 21st in the league after the All-Star break, which was remarkable to me because I would think, you know, losing boogie, that's losing 27 points a night. That's the basic math for it but i mean yeah i would think that they would go down to 29th or 30th but they passed i think it's all because like boogie was a decent passer but he wasn't great i think that you move the ball better when you got rid of him so mm-hmm. that really elevated their uh their spacing and everything with bringing in buddy or bringing yeah bringing in buddy hilled uh so they still finished 21st last year where do you want to feel that one um i think bogdan bogdanovich is probably going to fill it up a lot this year mm. um i have him yeah. penciled in as a small forward right now but he might be better playing the two in which case you might actually have to sacrifice some of those wonderful early minutes that i've talked about with regarding dr and fox hope not but we'll see him and also justin jackson so i'm um, you know you're mm-hmm. putting a lot of eggs on, on you know in the basket of rookies um then again could we really call bogdanovich a rookie he's 25 he has right valuable international experience i think he's going to come in really really yeah. hard actually then you also have another rookie to add to the mix who definitely knows how to score and is is you know has a lot of experience frank mason jr or not jr sorry the third so you you have a lot of scoring punch it's just a question of whether these guys are ready to contribute to that level if they're not like I honestly don't know. You could, of course, increase the volume of Buddy Heald, and then I suppose George Hill to some extent, and then Garrett Temple? I mean, it's a good question. I'm not sure. Like, like This team is probably the hardest to, in the league to project where they're going to finish offensively. Because, I mean, like, I used to think the Wolves was going to be really hard to project, because, but last year they were top 10. Like, Minnesota was a top 10 offense last year, and they just had Jimmy Butler. Like, this team is a whole new formation and i just don't know where they're what they're going to do but i am glad to see it yeah i mean i think it's just hard in general to have a sense of like on paper they look good right and on paper they had a great off season and on paper they've been like kind of going in the right direction the last 18 months but as you said like they still have an absolute wild card at at the top of the organization so it's just hard to you know you want to say like yeah sure they could be really good and they could like be a sneaky 10th seed, but at the same time, like Vivek could get bored and decide he wants to implement the cherry picking scheme and then everything can go to hell. So, you know, I, I just wrote a thing at BWAP breakdown recently about like how they cut suddenly look competent. And I think the biggest thing I was afraid of with the Kings is that Scott Perry, who they brought in in April, you know, he kind of, one would assume he helped oversee the draft and free agency and all that stuff, because like, all of a sudden the Kings started making really smart moves. So either Vlade like got a lobotomy overnight and someone else's brain got dropped in and like he'd suddenly figure out how to be a competent GM or Scott Perry probably just like had him as his little marionette and like kind of did all the behind the scenes work. But then Perry left for the Knicks in July to take over as their GM. So it was like, uh Oh, 
you know, all of a sudden we're back to just the Vlade show. But uh, two weeks after uh, Perry left, they brought in Brandon Williams, who has been working under the Philadelphia organization for the last few years. He was the GM of their D-League affiliate. He worked in the league office before that. So, like, I think the biggest thing Sacramento did this summer, as weird as it sounds, is making sure that they got someone to replace Scott Perry. Like, Scott Perry, losing Scott Perry could have been their biggest loss. Getting a smart guy like Brandon Williams in the organization to kind yeah. of babysit Vlade was the best thing they did. So now, I, like, I'm starting to have confidence, like, cautious optimism about the Kings and their direction. But as you said, you know, it's only a matter of time. Yeah, they better. They have that brand new arena. Better put a good product there. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Quickly, more. What do you think about Buddy Heald this year? Uh, do you think, you know, v, uh, yeah, Vivek right after the trades hyped him up as like, you know, Steph the next Curry. Steph Curry. Yeah, which, you know, he's had a history of doing that with uh, <laughs> Nick Stauskas. Uh, but, but, you know, Buddy really did show flashes after the All-Star break. He was much better. He, in New Orleans, he basically worked like as a catch-and-shoot guy. In Sacramento, he showed more ability to create for himself and others. So do you think he is, you know, is he worthy of being the new face of the Sacramento franchise? Do you think he turns into that type of player this year? Okay, the first question is really tough. The guy has not even cracked 2,000 career minutes yet. So, I mean, (laughs) if they're going to market him as such, it would be kind of unfair. uh, Because, you know, he, he had 25 games with them. So we don't mm-hmm. really know. It's a pretty small sample size. He did well. Like, let, don't get me wrong. He had a true shooting percentage of sixty. Had fifteen points a game. Shot forty three from from downtown. Like those are, those are wonderful numbers. But is it, you know, star caliber numbers? No. And he is at that age where he has to like produce at a higher level, because his prime is coming up. He was an old. You know, he was a, he was a senior when drafted. Like he he wasn't this guy coming out of having a one and done and having an unlimited ceiling. So I just want to see improvement from him. Whether he's the the face of the franchise, not so sure about that one. But I'm not ruling it out either. Mm-hmm. He's playing like a little bit more too, by the way. And yeah, at least we forget. Like we were talking about how hard it is to project players here. I mean, they have five rookies and four guys just having completed their first season. So that's mm-hmm. partly the answer. And it also opens the door for someone else to kind of take over that role as the face of the franchise. Mm-hmm. But it was nice, but you have a lot of guys like right behind him going, you know what, I'm knocking on that door because yeah. I'm young, I have a lot of potential. Like it, it, We could be talking about De'Aaron Fox being that guy next summer. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. That. All, all fair points. I'm disappointed, Mort. I wanted more hot takes. Well, but... I have, I have one hot take. <laughs> oh yeah, about the Kings or just yeah, in general? No, no, about the Kings okay. or someone on the Kings because I have been pimping Donovan Mitchell as Rookie of the Year, and I'm still on that. Oh God, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm still on that. But I think Bogdanovich finishes second or even. Wow, yeah, even <laughs> takes it Shit. because that is a hot take. That is spicy is ready and he's still qualified as a rookie, which is ridiculous. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm not right. saying that that should happen, but this guy is 25. He is in his prime. He is ridiculously talented. He's going to come in a lot more mature than the rest of the field. And he has 
all these opportunities at getting his shots off and getting a lot of minutes. I'm just saying, like, that's how the vote works. Like, who can put up stats? Yeah. yeah. So based I'm on that, Travis. I'm going to get both of the Bogdanovages mixed up this year. I already yeah. know it. <laughs> I want them on the same team at some point. Just oh, because God. then you, you can't have the B. Bogdanovich because they're both with B as well. So you just yeah, like, yeah. can't do anything. And even B. O. not working. Like you can't, no. can't yeah, do you anything. Three letters. Yeah. Wow. And then just to screw them, I want them to like have so similar jersey numbers just to fuck with the rest. <laughs> yeah. <be> perfect. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Let's move on to the Phoenix Suns. Hankathon. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, they were mentioned throughout the summer as a potential Kyrie Irving trade destination that did not come to fruition. The reports were that they refused to include, well, obviously they didn't, they were not going to include Devin Booker in any trade talks, but they also reportedly refused to include Josh Jackson, who they just took with the fourth overall pick this year. Uh, Shane, what do you expect from Josh Jackson this year? I expect, I expect quite a, quite a good amount from him because considering like, we don't know how many games Bledsoe's going to play. We don't know how many games. Um, I mean, Booker was healthy last year, but uh, Brandon Knight hasn't he been rolled out? Yeah, he tore his ACL, so he's all yeah. certainly out for the year. Yeah, and just the way he played at Kansas, guys, like like he was very active, very like like I, I just love his style of play, very athletic. I just love his his build as a player. Um, I'm not sure what the shot's going to look like. I'm not sure if it's going to translate to three. We're in the NBA. I'm not sure what to expect from that, but. Um, Defensively, I expect to see some things that you know we hope to see um, in in Andrew Wiggins whenever he started. Mm-hmm. You know that that didn't work out. Wiggins is still in the church of defender. What three years in? Mm-hmm. So uh, I expect him to really use his physical tools to his advantage. Um, this team is still going to be thirtieth or 29th defensively. Um, I think right. that's I think twenty ninth is ceiling, right? Like like this team is so young that. Mm-hmm. They're, and they are, they are, I'm going to say this, they're terribly coached. I don't know if you, like, Earl Watson is garbage to me as an NBA coach. So I think that um, this team is not going to have a high pedestal when it comes to defensive talent. So we'll see, or defensive uh, uh, knowledge. I mean, just talent, They the physical tools are there. But we'll see. But jo- Josh Jackson, I, I really think that um, he's going to come into his own this year and kind of help prove why they refused to give him up. Um, to me, he's probably the second or third best player in the draft. So, wow, interesting. Yeah. So you would, would you have him over Lonzo? Yes, I think that I think Josh Jackson's probably going to end up being a better player. Um, but Lonzo, obviously, the offensive, the, the passing stuff, that's irreplaceable. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a total package, I think Josh Jackson's going to be better. Wow. I want the record to reflect, by the way, that you and I are both in this franchise draft that we're doing for FanRag right now. Yeah. And I know you're getting Brandon Ingram before I could get him. So I'm going to go after Josh Jackson. Because it's pretty (laughs) – you said you wanted a small forward and you had a high opinion of the guy. Oh, my God. I just told Jason Pat that I was getting him like yesterday. Yeah, I I mean, you're ahead of me, so I can't control anything. But let the record reflect. I'm seriously considering Josh Jackson with mine because my team is very young and uh, I have no interest in competing right now. But to bring it back to his 2017-18 outlook, I mean, I I think you're right. I think he's going to be, you know, I don't think 
he's going to put up big offensive numbers, but I think he's just going to be, they're just going to tell him like, look, scored 10 points a game. We don't care. Just like yeah. absolutely harass whatever top wing scorer you're facing tonight. And that's it. That's all we need from you this year. And I think he's going to live up. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, ideally, but I like, I don't think they're going to be running plays for Josh Jackson offensively this year. Like they'll let him like run to the rim, but I don't think they're gonna like feed him. They're not gonna like try to create open jumpers for him. What is it? Is he six eight, six nine? Six eight, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Six eight. Okay. Yeah. That's what they needed. Like I really think that's the draft pick that they needed to take, and I, I'm kind of glad he slid to him there. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I think he's gonna be a really strong fit there, especially next to Booker. Um, more, <laughs> you and I have been arguing all summer about Dragon Bender in particular. So let's talk about Bender and Marquise Chris, both of whom the Suns took in the top ten last year. Uh, each were somewhat up and down as a rookie. Dragon missed a good chunk of the season. Yeah. Chris played; he was a starter for most of the year. You know, showed. Showed some promise, uh, but the jury is still out on both. So, what do you expect from those guys this year? For yeah, for Dragon, I'm just expecting more minutes. I'm not gonna predict anything on court. Just more minutes because we didn't see uh, enough of him last year to really gauge like what he's gonna project as fully. Um, Marquis Chris, on the other hand, I think he got enough minutes to really show what type of player he was. So now mm-hmm. he needs to build on that. What I'm really looking for him is learning the ways of getting to the free throw line. He seems to have mm-hmm. the body to do it. He seems to be able to take contact somewhat well at times. His mentality is a little bit on and off. Sometimes he's sort of passive and other times he just powers through. Uh, I would encourage him, if he's listening, by the way, Marquis, <laughs> there's an open invitation, just to power through because he has the athleticism to it. Um mm-hmm. And also the strength. I, I, you know, when he came in, I was kind of concerned. I thought he was a little bit slim and not strong enough, but he seems to be sneaky strong. So getting to the free throw line, improve that three ball a little bit more, and you know, as Shane mentioned regarding the defense for the whole team, mm-hmm. get better on that end too. Um, and also, for the love of God, just move the basketball when you have a chance because that is not something he did well at all. He uh, got mm-hmm. television way too often. Yeah. Which, you know, that happens with rookie big men especially. Yeah. So it's not an unfixable problem. But right, definitely he was 19. Like, let's not lose sight of that. He was 19 all last year. So, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, he has 12 more years until he comes right. to the first, you know, appointment with the doctor where he learns. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it's 12 more years to the Bulls get interested in oh. him. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. 15 for 15, that one. yeah. <laughs> Man, like, I just don't understand how there's so many wings on this team, so many, like, young athletic guards. Like, we forget about T.J. Warren. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, it's, just, it's it's absurd that they have stockpiled all these good guards and, and, and wing forwards and stuff, and they're all so young. I think this team is going to be the youngest. Is it the Kings or the Suns that's going to have the youngest average age? It might be the Suns still. I would assume the Suns, because both Bender yeah. Bender was the youngest player in the yeah. NBA yeah. last year, so he's still going to be pretty young. And then you add in Jackson, Devin Booker is like 21 still, right? You have yeah. you had three guys born in 1997 and, and two oh from 1996. God. So, I mean, <laughs> oh my gosh. look, uh, yeah, right? Yeah. Sir, what Overall. do you think about this team, uh, the Suns, in terms of 
uh, you know, just growth this year? Do you think there's still going to be 14th, 15th bottom feeders in the West? Honestly, I do still expect them to be bottom feeders, and I'm not like I really don't know what their plan is. Maybe they're okay with that. I think they might be. But I wanted to point out a couple things about Bender and Chris that you guys were just talking about. Bender last year shot 27% from three. It will depend, of course, on playing time, but and also how creative they get. I saw him running some plays in, in summer league where they had him, you know, set the screen to step out while there's some kind of decoy action on the other side. Like, get him some open looks, and I would expect that to go up at least a little bit this year. Um, and then Chris, surprisingly, was only 61% at the rim, which is a little low. For mm. You know, you'd like that to be a little higher. So hopefully both of those guys can raise those percentages in particular in the coming season. But, but yeah, overall, I'm not very hopeful for the Suns. Yeah, I, I, I mean, for Bender, you know, Going back to Shane's point about Earl Watson not being a great coach necessarily, he's already gone on record as saying like he wants Bender to play more of a point center role, but he also last year was like, no, nah, Bender's a three. I want to play him as a small forward. So it <laughs> it seems like Watson just has no idea what to do with Bender, which oh, is... Oh, he's, he's still stuck in like Kevin Garnett is a three H back in the late 90s. Yeah, yeah. right. Or like Kevin Durant is a two. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like what got me? Future. Yeah, Earl Watson. Like I went to, I covered Suns Pacers in Indy in uh, last season. And at the shoot around, I talk, I was talking to Earl Watson as you know on the media scrum. He's a great interview whenever you are wanting to talk basketball technique and stuff like that. But at the same time, he thinks that he he thinks that you could not possibly know more than him because he played mm-hmm. the game. He's one of those guys. And it's like it's really hard to try to get a point through or try to ask him a question of uh, strategy or lineups or anything like that because what he says goes. And you know, that's I don't think that's the right way to do it with a team that's full of 21, 20, 19-year-olds. <laughs> You've got to experiment, and I don't think that he wants to experiment all year. He wants to just get something and stick for 50 games until there's an injury. Yeah, yeah. Um, that actually leads me into my next question for Mort. So, Mort, our friend James Hollis, friend of the podcast, has recently trademarked the phrase them, or the word <laughs> them, I guess, <laughs> to describe people who are too analytically minded and don't actually just enjoy watching basketball. So the, the prime example is Russell Westbrook. Anyone who doesn't recognize him as a great player yeah. falls into the them category. Devin Booker, I feel like, is going to soon become a them player because, you know, he's already putting up 20-plus points a game. He had the 70-point game this year. But then the analytical crowd says, well, he's not good on defense. He's not that good yet, uh, et cetera. So what do you expect from Booker this year? Do you think he could become an all-star caliber player? Look, the guy put up 22 points a night at the age of 20. Like. Mm-hmm. Who cares what the advanced metrics are right now? I mean, <laughs> right. Like, no, I, and, and don't get me wrong. I'm not anti-analytics at all. I think the more knowledge you have about something, the better. But, I mean, look look at the, the raw things going on here. 22 a night, almost two triples a game. Got to the line almost six times a night where he hit 83%. Right there, offensively speaking, that's a multifaceted offensive player who is not yet 21. Off defensively, sure, there are issues. Name me a 20-year-old who is good defensively, like downright good. Mm. 
Not many. Oh. It takes yeah. a long time to become a good or great defensive player in the NBA. Booker, is he probably going to top out as an average defender? Could be, but you know what? I'll take it if he gives me like 27, 29 points a game, which he probably will give me in a couple of years. So I have no problem saying that I think he's a candidate for the mm -hmm. All-Star game this this coming season. Whether he makes it, that's I don't think so. Jimmy Butler just went to the West. <laughs> right. Paul George Paul just went. George. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so no, he's probably not going to make it. And if if the analytics crowd is going to crap on him for not making the All-Star game, then all I have to say is it's a popularity contest. So mm -hmm. anyway, I mean, that doesn't really matter. As long as we see improvements from him defensively and as long as he just honestly stays relevant offensively as he is right now, then I'm all good. I mean, yeah, I, I don't really have a big problem with yeah. Booker. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I think that I think that Booker, his situation that he's been in Phoenix for two years, while it's, I don't want to say toxic because they are, you know, it's not a bad, it's not a poorly run franchise, but, you know, the, I don't like the coaching situation there, and I don't think anyone really would if they're watching from afar. Um, while, while that's going on, he still played 2,700 minutes last year. Mm -hmm. Like, he's getting his feet extremely wet. Like, mm -hmm. like he is getting time for trial and error. There, there's not many 20-year-olds in NBA history. I would, uh, that's just a general statement, but I, I would uh, bet 20-year-olds in NBA history that's got to play 2,700 minutes right away. It's like, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think that we should have any problem with his defensive shortcomings right now. When he gets to 22, 23, I mean, yeah. you know, get third, fourth, fifth seasons in the league. If nothing's changed, he deserves to be bashed for that, but. It's not. It's not that time yet. I mean, the guy. The guy is at almost five thousand career minutes, and he's my. He's two years younger than me. Like right. I think, let's just let him play. Yeah, I mean, it's worth noting that like most lead guards, I would say in the league. I guess maybe not most, but like there is a decent number of lead guards who are like either atrocious or below average defenders. So like James Harden is the most obvious example. Both of the Portland guys, you know, Dame and. CJ McCollum, neither one are like great defenders by any means. That doesn't stop them from putting up insane numbers and being like considered as, you know, all star candidates, all NBA candidates, that kind of thing. So I'm with you guys. Like, yeah, Booker obviously has room to grow because he's 20 years old. But like, I mean, my God, he's he's so much better than the Suns could have reasonably hoped for. And for him to hit the ground that quickly is just really impressive. So, Shane, I think you're right. The fact that you know, Watson is letting him play as much he, as he is, and he realizes, like, all right, this kid's the face of our franchise. Like, we need to let him just develop and take his lumps, and he's going to make some stupid mistakes because he's a 20-year-old playing NBA basketball, but that's fine. And um, we've yet to see a lot of Bledsoe playing with him. I mean, like, he, yeah. I think Bledsoe played, what, 50-something games last year? That's yeah. a lot, but still, at the same time, we haven't got to see that much uh, off-ball action uh, that I would like to see from him. So, Because uh, when he scored 70, you know, that was primarily – he was the guy. He was on ball, everything mm -hmm. like that. Um, I, I just can't wait to see what happens when they get a when, – when Eric Bledsoe, who when he's healthy, 10th or 11th best point guard in the NBA, when, he, when he's mm -hmm. fully healthy, I, I, can, I really want to see what this Suns team can do. Um, it's a team that I think – don't know about you guys, but I think they can contend for like – 16th or 17th offensively this team is going to be able to score a lot but they're going to give up 
double that, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. going to be the problem. But this is definitely a league average offense if everyone is healthy. Yeah, I think if nothing else, they'll be really fun to watch this year. They're going to be really bad, but like at least they'll be entertaining bad, unlike the Bulls, who are just going to be <laughs> bad. depressing bad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, so let's wrap things up. You know, we've talked about this division for an hour, and we haven't mentioned, oh, you know, the defending champion Golden State Warriors. Um, so Steve Kerr, their head coach, recently told Marcus Thompson of The Athletic, he said basically, like, look, complacency is going to be our biggest problem this year. You know, we just went 16-1 and in the playoffs. We swept through the Western Conference bracket. We pretty handily destroyed the Cavaliers in the finals. We got stronger this offseason. Like, our our biggest enemy is ourselves. So, Sarah, how do you think they combat that? Do they need to set a certain goal? Like, should they go for 74 wins? Or if you're Steve Kerr, how do you keep your team mentally locked in throughout the regular season? Well, one thing that's helpful in that area is you have a guy on your team named Jamon Green. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think he ever gets complacent. I really don't. Mm-hmm. I think he lives with a chip on his shoulder. Um, and I know last year during the Western Conference Finals, I could tell you there were times when the team was getting complacent because, oh, Kawhi Leonard <laughs> happened to not be playing in the series anymore. Tony Parker's not playing in the series. David Lee got hurt. It's, you know, There wasn't a lot there, but I remember Draymond Green saying to the team, we are not playing for this shit <laughs> we're playing for something bigger than this yeah. you know wake up let's finish this and be done with it so he's that guy that's always going to be in their ear maybe they won't always like it but that's something that you need so i'm not too worried about him on that i i do know that they can get complacent and they have the tendency to throw these sloppy passes and turnovers that yeah from time to time that might bite them but i think they're gonna be fine like you said they upgraded in just about every way it's just, I'm mad online about this right now. But. Uh, so, so if you see, Sarah, if you see Zaza on the street walking down the street, <laughs> what are you saying to Zaza? Oh, she's not talking. She's hitting right. it. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Go right for the knees. Nothing is being said. No, I, I will tell you that I enjoyed watching my Italian brethren effectively knock them out of Eurobasket. Uh, Team Georgia the other night. I'm just getting some type of retribution vicariously, however I can. Yeah, <laughs> that's spectacular. The Warriors uh, got my favorite players. That's all that matters. Nick Swaggy B, young like that yes. is all that matters. Yeah. So what do you expect? They got Swaggy P, they got Omri Caspi, and they stole Jordan Bell from the cheap ass Bulls. So what do you expect from those three guys? How much Did do you think buy? they're going to factor in? Didn't they buy Jordan Bell? Yeah. Yeah, they stole Three and him. a half mil. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, uh, Bulls. Yeah. Now, uh, they're not going to do this because I don't think NBA players are nerds like us. But, like, wouldn't it be cool to combat the complacency by saying we want to set the record for the highest point differential in NBA history? Like, like pick a record. They pick the 73 mm-hmm. and they pick the 72 win record and they beat it. Pick mm-hmm. something random and, like, we're going to go balls out to get, try to get this. That's what they should do. And I think that, like, I really do believe that this team is going to uh, win 70 games this year. 70 and 12 uh, is probably my projected record for them. Uh, you know, they won 67. Kevin Durant missed 20. Like mm-hmm. that, that, that's really, and I know they had a decent, a good record when he when he missed. But 
like a lot of games, like that game in Minnesota where they lost when Durant was hurt and Steph missed a buzzer beater. The mm-hmm. very next game is when Sarah, like the Sarah's Spurs, it was the rest fest. Um, I, the, oh, yeah. Those games are not going to lose with Kevin Durant on the floor. I just don't think. And uh, I, I think that they'll be able to win 70 games and, and probably break the all NBA's uh, or the NBA's all time point differential at 12.3. I think they'll probably outscore opponents by about 12.5. Um, but but as you said, Nick Young, Omri Caspi, that is literally the best fit for the bench that you could possibly want. You get, mm-hmm. Because Ian Clark obviously had to go, um, couldn't pay him much, and he I forgot where he took an offer from. Where did Pelicans, he? Pelicans, I think, right? New Orleans, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah something you know, New Orleans needed. But um, you, the best way to get rid of something like that is to replace them with two guys that can shoot 40% from three. So this team... <laughs> This team probably won't hit as many threes as Houston just because Houston was all worldly last year with three-pointers, and I think that they're going to continue to be that way because, um, like, look at their coach, Mike D'Antoni. But Golden State should definitely finish second in, in, with threes this year. Uh, they have everything from top to bottom. And we can start seeing more things being fiddled with the death lineup. Uh, that's, that's what I'm focused on this year with this team. You have to pick something to watch for. And uh, I just want to see other variations of the death lineup, like whenever Steph sets, who comes in. Because, uh, you know, Ian Clark was a, a pretty good cog for that team. Once, And then Shad Livingston, he's getting older. So we'll just see things tweaked a little bit. But still, best team in the NBA by a significant margin. So Definitely. Yeah. So let's assume they all stay healthy. I mean, a big factor in their cruise throughout the postseason last year was, you know, as you mentioned, Kevin Durant was hurt, but he came back. Everyone was healthy throughout the postseason. So, knock on wood, they'll have good luck again. If everyone is healthy, Morton, do you think a 16-0 and postseason sweep is in play? Let me just first say that I am pissed at Kevin Durant for missing 20 games off that injury last year. <laughs> because remember last year I said they would have consecutive 70-win seasons? You did, yep. yeah. They were close. They were going to have it, if not for KD's injury. So I want partial credit for that one. <laughs> so I'm just going to continue fair. on and say this is going to be the first year in a row that they win 70-plus. <clears throat> because, <laughs> damn it. Asterisk. <laughs> Asterisk, yeah. I don't think they'll go 16-0 and 0 in the playoffs simply because of Mr. LeBron James. Hmm. It's just, yeah. it's too much to ask. Like you, last year was probably the closest that they'd ever come to it, and they just buckled in that game. But mm-hmm. I don't. I think if they are on the verge of going sixteen and zero, I think LeBron just channels his inner Superman and just go, "No way, not not yeah. against me," because I'm going up <laughs> against Mike. I want to be the greatest of all time. If I get swept, regardless of whether it's against the best team in history or not, that's not gonna fly. So he's gonna take at least one. Yeah, and I think I agree with that. In addition to a guy named Paul George, like say they play the Thunder in the second round, like yeah. you have to chalk up a game in Oklahoma City, like if the ball is just going in the net the right way for, for OKC that night, like Russ and Paul George together, or if it's the Wolves, Jimmy Butler, Carl Towns, and Jeff Teague and Andrew Wiggins, and those guys can steal a game. Like, yeah. it's going to be a lot. If they did 16 0 this coming year, I'd probably just not watch basketball because I'd be so it, not not disgusted. I love when I love records being broken, but it would be so astonishing that a team could do that in the Western Conference, which is even harder now, I would think. So, they would have yeah, gone right. 16 and 2, though, 
Thank you, Mort. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That needs that that needs to just be waiting up. for it. Yeah, it's I like know. The you... basketball gods aren't gonna take our one win from us two years in a row, are they? <laughs> I was so torn. I was so torn. Kawhi is my favorite player in the NBA right now. But like I wanted that to happen. Like I wanted Cease to know to happen. So that when that happened, I was like, what do I even think? Like what do I, what do I what am I supposed to think right now? Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Um all right, I'm going to ask this one to Shane because I know where Morton and Sarah stand on it. Uh, Kevin Durant is currently the early MVP favorite, according to the West Book, or Westgate Las Vegas Superbook. Uh, Curry is seventh. Do you buy KD being the early MVP favorite? I'm going to guess they don't. They do uh, not. Because, because <laughs> they, of they the narrative. Kawhi. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Hey, I, lo- I would love being Team Kawhi. I think Kawhi, for... Is it the last year he didn't finish second? He finished third, right? Right. So uh, it should have been second. Uh, my hot take should have been second. Uh, but this should be the third year in a row he finished second. Like I, I think that he'll be right behind Kevin Durant. So to answer you, Brian, I think that Durant will. The narrative does not support it because uh, you know we have no idea the random uh, news write the random beat writers from other teams that are going to be you know, pissed off still at Durant's decision <laughs> from two right. years ago, and they're going to say, oh, he shouldn't be MVP. That might cost him the award because those guys do get votes. Mm-hmm. Like, And, you know, that the Thunder beat writers will never vote for him, and Cleveland beat writers, same, same ordeal. Um, so I think that that might cost him. But at the same time, Durant's true shooting percentage last year was like 65%. Mm. He was averaging like 26 a game. Like, there was nobody better at playing basketball, like, in my opinion, um, up until he got hurt. Like, mm-hmm. if Zaza doesn't run into him, what's, what's up with Zaza on these injuries? Like, <laughs> Zaza doesn't run into Durant's knee in Washington, D.C., like, he would have been my MVP because he would have played 75 to 82 games, injury-free, uh, the best player on the best team. That gets it almost every single time. Um, and when he got hurt, that opened the door for Westbrook, Harden, Kawhi, LeBron. Um, I, I just don't see, like, his defense, we didn't even talk about his defense. In the finals, mm-hmm. that, was in, that was impeccable. I mean, he was, he was defending shots at the rim, not, not even blocking shots. I mean, people go to block shots all the time but, and, and think that's strictly defense. That's only a fraction of defense. Like, he was changing Kyrie Irving's shots yeah. at the rim. He was changing LeBron's ideology of going inside the paint. Um, LeBron shot a lot of jump shots in the finals. I, I think that Durant's defensive potency is going to help him win MVP this year. Um, I'll die on the hill. Uh, I might be the only one on NBA Twitter that has Durant's MVP because everyone's thinking Russ might repeat. LeBron, one more year, Surgents, uh, Kawhi finally get his MVP, which I would love. Um, but I'll die with Kevin Durant winning it this year. Yeah, I'm going to join you on that hill. So, yeah, I mean, I just think. You know, the the fact that the West did get so much better, like the Warriors blew out so many teams, you know, the past couple of years that all their guys sit throughout the fourth quarter. I don't think they're going to have that luxury as much this year. So I think KD is going to have to play like slightly more than he did in years past or I guess last year. But like all the all of the Warriors top guys are going to have to play like 33, 34 minutes instead of 31, 32. And I think that. You know, if they win 70-plus again, if they are so clearly head and shoulders better than the rest of the league, you know, I, I think people have... I, I feel like there is slightly less scoring towards Durant now that they won a title and they realize, like, oh, that was a smart decision. You, you know, he justified his move. 
So I think the narrative, much like with LeBron in Miami after that first year, like the narrative swung back in his favor, and he, you know, he he avoided being labeled. You know, there are some people, OKC people, are always going to be mad, but nationally, I don't think he's as reviled as he was a year ago. I think the number one thing I'm I'm excited for for this team, or not for just this specific Warriors team, but every year I look for. The random two or three week stretch in December or January where Clay Thompson misses like his first his next forty threes, yeah. or Steph Curry just goes like twenty percent for the month, and everyone is like, "Oh, best year in NBA history," or "Oh, um, <laughs> what what happened? This is what happens when you put too many stars on." Like, just stop it. Then pe- people go cold sometimes. It happened last year to Steph before Christmas or right around Christmas. He kicked it into high gear. It happened to Clay Thompson throughout the entire playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Against the Spurs, he wasn't that good. Against the Cavs, he wasn't that good. Um, and, you know, he t- actually looked like a league average player for most of the finals until he finally had a couple good games, and I think six and seven were decent. Uh, but there's going to be times like that, and that's why they have Kevin Durant. When Clay and Steph get cold, there's a guy that probably, uh, if you want to go by this stat, like the only NBA player in history, over 25 points per game, over 60% true shooting ever. Like if you want to go by that, he's the greatest scorer ever, and that's why they got the guy. So, not to mention Swaggy P, who can now yeah. carry the load for all of them. If Curry, Clay, and KD all go cold, Swaggy <laughs> P is coming off the bench for eighty. Um, uh, yeah. And we hope we get David West one more speech. Um, oh yeah, in the locker room where he's just going bananas. Before <laughs> yeah, retire. yeah. Let's hope. All Side right. Note, uh, by the way, sorry. So yeah, yeah. Why did Sarah? Why do the Spurs hate David West? The, the Spurs <laughs> fans, because like he gets he got booed in the arena twice last time last year. I don't I, know why they hate him. I don't know. It's all the same things that you know we liked when he came to us and gave up a bunch of money, and then we were mad because he went to the Warriors. I oh, I don't okay. I wasn't part of it, but <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. I assume that's that's where it was coming from. They're just okay. annoyed. I mean, everybody's just annoyed with the Warriors, yeah. really. Yeah, Indy, Indy of all places, boos David West. Wow. It's like, wow. He, he's the, yes, like people, fans there, when I'm covering games, are like, boo, traitor. It's like, I'm sorry, <laughs> I wouldn't have stuck around that team either. You, yeah. you, you guys you guys lost Lane Stevenson, Paul George, Roy Hibbert. Like, I'm not sticking around for that. And he gave up, like, a boatload of money to leave. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. He didn't cash them checks. I think he got checks. some of the, the Kevin Durant blowback, I guess. They just, yeah. just. Sprayed it to him too. Just, <laughs> just wait for when Jimmy Butler returns to the United Center. You're gonna have like Bulls fans just booing his oh, ass yeah. off, which is gonna be ridiculous. Just yeah, people people are stupid. That's just, well, we already had people burning Isaiah Thomas jerseys in I, Boston. Oh my god, that was the most. You know, yeah, what? I'm just gonna yeah. turn over to something positive and just wrap up uh, the Golden State Warriors for a second. Yeah. So, remember back in the day, Steph Curry had some angle issues. He got the bad deal and people were worried, yada, yada, yada. Okay, Mm -hmm. so ever since that ordeal, he's played 394 games. And in those 394 games, which isn't like a fantastic high number, he's hit 1,545 three-pointers. Oh, oh my God. (laughs) What was uh, I mean? That's probably more than his, than he'd hit before. Oh is, yeah, I, yeah. No contest. He hadn't even broken two hundred threes in a oh. season before that. 
which is just so ridiculous. And here's the thing: last season, everyone was like, "Oh, he's he, you know, he's struggling," and he was. Like Curry had an off year, and he still had the second most three pointers in league history with three hundred and twenty four <laughs> at forty one percent. So, you know, congratulations on the twenty eighteen win, Dubs. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Who said that the other day? Was that Jeff and Gundy said there's no point in playing the season, which I yeah. disagree with. But yeah, yeah. Well, no. that's he just said they're gonna like win forever unless something changes. Yeah. But yeah, he, like he, age. I, yeah, or contracts <laughs> coming up. Yeah. He, he's not looking that far ahead. But that's that's a topic for another time. More, I'm glad you brought up predictions because let's it's time to wrap things up with our predictions for the conference. So, where I'm gonna start with you. How do you see the conference going one to five? And then how many playoff teams do you see coming out of here? Golden State. Clippers, I suppose. I, I'm not sure about Lakers or Kings. So can I just have them mm-hmm. as tied? And yeah, Suns, that's fine. Yeah, Suns in the bottom. And I'm not really sure. I, I, I'm i not really on board with the whole Clippers in the playoffs thing. Not yet. Ooh, I, think I need to see a little bit more of them. But so you're at like 1.5? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 1.5 teams there because I'm not really sure how they mesh. It's a whole new roster. They have to get things going. And, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Doc Rivers, so mm-hmm. we'll see. Fair. Um, Sarah, how about you? How do you see it shaking one through five and then playoff teams from here? Basically exactly how Morton had it. Um I had Warriors, Clippers, and then I flip-flopped the Lakers and Kings, but ended up putting Lakers third, mm-hmm. Kings, yeah. and then Suns. Um, yeah, like I don't want to commit to the Clippers in yet for sure either. I do believe they're capable of making it, but uh, yeah, so one point five. Do you guys do you guys remember the dog fight that, that there was in the Eastern Conference? Uh, I guess it would have been two years ago when like four teams tied for the forty-eight wins. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we're going to see in the West for like six, seven, eight, nine. Like, yeah. I mean, because I mean, you have the you have the Jazz, you have the Clippers, you have the Pelicans, who two 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 twin towers, two top ten or two top twenty players on that team, but then nothing else. And then you have the Clippers, and then you have uh, like all these other teams that are going to be fighting for that seven eight spot. Portland. So we'll see. Uh, oh, so you want my you want my top five of the conference? Yes. Warriors, Clippers, Lakers, just because I'm a homer, so I got <laughs> over the over the, and then Suns, and then Kings. I think Kings. Will, yeah, I think the Suns will win more games because they'll outscore a lot of people. Wow, Which, that that could happen. But yeah. but the Kings. I mean, I just as you mentioned, Brian, with that front court, you asked me about it. It looks kind of shaky for me. Like like it's really young. It's really. It's just we don't know anything about it yet. It'll probably take twenty games or so to really see what the rotation is going to be and if mm-hmm. Zebo is going to be playing all those minutes. So we'll see. Uh, but I think the Kings will finish last, and then playoff teams: Warriors and Clippers. That's it. Sorry, sorry, Lake Show. Not yet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I guess for mine, I'm I'm going to just steal Sarah's. I'm going to do Warriors, Clippers, Lakers, Kings, Suns. I have the Clippers in as of now, subject to change. Once I ponder more about it, but I, I think that as you said, Shane, it's going to be like, you know, all of these teams are going to be separated by a very slim margin. I think they're just going to squeak in ahead of a couple of the others, the Pelicans most notably. So 
that's how I see it shaking out. Um, and that's going to do it this week for the NBA podcast. So, Shane, thanks again for joining us. Can you let our listeners know one more time where they can find you on Twitter and then where they can find your work? Sure. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, but you can find me on Twitter at YoungNBA and at FanRag Sports. Uh, right, I'm actually about to make my return. I took a couple months off because I had the summer internship at a news station, and that was just you know so many hours. So I'm about to make my return there to FanRag. And then B-Ball Breakdown, where we have a lot of stuff brewing in the works right now with uh, the uh, NBA preview stuff. So get ready for that. Yeah, so be sure to check Shane out on Twitter and on FanRag and at B-Ball Breakdown. In the meantime, give us a follow on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find all of our Twitter handles in our bio. Also, check us out on iTunes. Please subscribe, download, leave some reviews. We would love any feedback. And we're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports. So check them out on Twitter at FanRag Sports and for their NBA content at FanRag NBA. Until next time, I'm Brian Taporic and I was joined by Morton Jensen and Sarah Chalea. Have a good one, everyone. You too, Brian. You too. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations.